The fine folks at Citizen Lab have released a 200-page report uh, out of the Research Center at the University of Toronto, and they are concerned about how laws are failing to protect victims of cell phone stalkerware. Here to talk about the report and uh, specifics on exactly what stalkerware is all about, Christopher Parsons, Senior Research Associate with the Citizen Lab of U of T. Welcome to the show. Good to have you on. Thanks so much for having me. This is an important uh, thing that you're bringing to our attention. Um, let's start off with exactly what digital spyware is for, for those those that don't know. Yeah, so in the report, we distinguish between what we uh, call spyware and stalkerware. So spyware is exactly as you've described it to your listeners. It's software that's often used to monitor children or employees uh, for the purposes of knowing, you know, what they're doing, who they're talking to, where they are, and, and uh, things like that. We term that same spyware, stalkerware, when it's used for abusive purposes. And the, the uses are really quite extensive. So some of this software not only tracks where you're going, who you're talking to, it captures your call logs. You can spoof messages to other people. Um, it'll track the communications you have on the social media. You can activate the cameras um, and microphones remotely so that uh, your, your stalker or your abuser can be monitoring what you're doing. Um, and much of this is easy to install if you have access to someone's Android phone in, you know, three or four minutes. Wow. Did you say that it can spoof texting other people? In some cases, yes. That is uh, one of the features of this, of this uh, stalkerware. What do you mean and by that? So the example that the companies give is uh, so you're monitoring someone's phone um, and, uh, you know, your partner or former partner said, well, I'm not seeing whomever anymore. And then uh, the, uh, the stalker could send a message through your phone to whomever they think that you were seeing and say, hey, um, are we still on for this week or this month or something like that? And uh, that person would receive the text and could reply and then um, your stalker would you know, be able to extract new information um, based on their communication with uh, with people that are on your phone. Wow. Based on the investigation that the Citizen Lab did into spyware, which is being used as stalkerware, is there any way to tell if this digital spyware has been downloaded by someone else to your phone? It can be very challenging to do that. Um, and, and the reason is many of these applications will hide or mask their presence. So on Android, um, quite often when they're downloaded, the uh, abuser who's installing it has the ability to then uh, either totally hide it or they make the application icon look like a system icon. And so, you know, you're looking at a system's preference uh, panel or something like that. And it's, it's very hard to identify to the individual who uh, has been targeted. One thing that we note in the report, and it's important to say this, is if someone believes that they are the target of this kind of software, it can be very, very dangerous to actually just go on and install it. And that's because we know from the academic literature that when people try and remove themselves from coercive control situations, uh, that is when violence is most likely to occur. So if someone believes that they're targeted, Mm -hmm. then we recommend they go and they speak with a frontline worker that can provide assistance, make that call or or that appointment on a device that a friend has, not their own in case uh, the, the person might be monitoring their devices, and then that frontline worker will be able to advise them on their specific situation and what steps need to be taken or, or keep them and, and possibly their children safe. 
There is a, an article that CBC News put out uh, about uh, your report, and they said in 2015's survey of Canadian women's shelter, 93% of frontline workers say they had supported a woman who had been intimidated or threatened by someone using the technology. Are we looking at uh, this spyware and stalkerware um, being used by uh, people that are trying to victimize uh, domestic partners? Quite often, yes. And it takes two forms, at least. So one is persons who are um, in ongoing relationships, um, and the other is uh, after a relationship is concluded. And in that latter case, it can take place in uh, one of two ways. Either the stalker where it's been installed on someone's phone for some time, and they don't know, they, they take their phone out of the relationship, or so they think, and it's still spying on them. The other situation, which is almost more pernicious in some respects, is in shared custody situations. Um, we know of cases where uh, the, uh, the abusive partner will actually install the spyware, the stalkerware, on their children's phone. And that way, whenever the child is around the other partner, they can activate the camera or they can see the messages that are going back and forth between the child and uh, the former partner and actually t- basically turn the child into a surveillance instrument for the abusive partner without the child knowing, of course. Wow. Uh, this digital spyware, you said that it's it's downloaded as an app, and there are various apps that you can use as uh, spyware or stalkerware. They tend to market themselves as, uh, you know, the, the intention is to protect your kids, um, but they also directly market to people that want to stalk or keep tabs on a possible cheating spouse. Yes, they absolutely do. Um, And one thing that uh, it's worth noting is that Apple and Google have done quite a bit to try and remove some of these applications um, from their marketplaces. And indeed, in our report, we looked exclusively at Android because of the uh, protective measures that Apple has engaged in. Um, But with Android, you have the ability to install applications outside of Google's own Play Store. And that's how many of these applications are sold. And so, again, if someone has access to your phone for just a couple of minutes and they could either have your passcode or, or you could simply have been looking at, your, looking at your phone, set it down when you use the bathroom or something, and they grab your phone and install it. And you can install applications from outside of the market. And again, it takes seconds to do so. That is a scary thought. So I guess it's important to always make sure that you're updating your passwords. It is updating your passwords. Um, there, there are defensive uh, tools that are installed in Android, as an example, by default, which tend to be quite good at detecting the spyware when it's uh, when it's activated. Um, but again, we would hesitate before telling people, you know, just turn on um, Google Play Protect, which is the setting, and, and see if it's there and get rid of it, mm-hmm. because we know that doing so um, can potentially lead to escalations in violence. And so, if someone believes that they are being targeted, it's important they go to that frontline support service. Uh, environment so that they can um, map out their uh, their strategy for, for staying safe. What particular laws are you citing that are being broken? Because you're all, you're saying that there this is a criminal offense. What's going on using these apps to stalk people? Yeah, so we released two reports. One is this holistic report. The other is a 200-page legal assessment of stalkerware. And in that report, we identified that um, the, the Criminal Code of Canada is engaged, civil laws engaged, regulatory laws engaged. I mean, even the CRTC, um, our, our telecoms regulator, who normally like deals with um, you know how wireless spectrum works and cell phone bills and things like that, even they can be involved. So in terms of the criminal activities... The, uh, the, the deliberate effort to sell software to engage in illegal behavior, such as um, if 
intercepting communications um, without uh, permission, which is what Stalkerware does, um, that violates the criminal code. And there's uh, a series of torts or, or civil law actions can be taken up um, depending on the province that people are in, such as the uh, public revelation of private information. Um, there's mental distress torts, uh, intrusion of privacy torts, and, and the list really goes on. Um, what we think is really important in the criminal environment is that the police and the government need to be involved, both in laying charges when they believe that an individual is targeting other individuals with the software, but more um, importantly, perhaps even, going after the companies that manufacture this. This software should not be available for sale, and organizations that are developing and selling it uh, should face criminal uh, charge to try and prevent them from operating, quite frankly, very openly and very flagrantly on the Internet. Why have authorities, you know, turned a blind eye to digital spyware being used as, as stalkerware? Uh, because, you know, we, as as cited by that survey, you know, we've known about this being abused since 2015 at the, at the very least, and we're four years beyond that now. I suspect there's a, a range of reasons. One, we know the police forces are challenged in their ability to investigate digital crimes, and so that's certainly one reason. Um, and other is, to the best of our knowledge, um, and, and we canvassed the literature, so we're pretty certain we're right on this, no one has gone and done an absolute deep dive through the Canadian Criminal Code to identify all of the ways in which this is illegal. And so one of the purposes of these reports is to present this information so the government and law enforcement can no longer pretend that they don't know. Now they know, they know the charges they can lay, and they know the, the path that they can take. It's really now on the government's uh, plate. They have to deal with us, and if they don't, uh, they're simply being deeply irresponsible. Do you think part of the reason why they haven't done a deep dive is that, you know, for ages now, like the last decade, we look at apps as something that can help you? Uh, I think that's, that's certainly possible. I, I think that the more uh, likely reason is this hasn't uh, become a, a pressing point in Canadian policymakers' minds to date. Um, it's come up periodically through the media, especially the American media, but we haven't covered it in nearly the same depth in Canada. And so we're hopeful that these reports act as a uh, jumping-off point to broaden that conversation while also offering a touchstone so that lawmakers and regulators and uh, law enforcement can go to these reports and rather than just trying just hearing there's a problem and then trying to solve it, looking to see the solutions that we've provided and hopefully adopting some of them. One of the solutions you recommend is to update the Government of Canada's uh, toolkit for the Privacy Commissioner and their ability to enforce um, laws here. What do you, what are you exactly recommending? So the Privacy Commissioner of Canada is a federal body. Um, they're not able to go after individuals because of the way the law is written, and, and we're not suggesting that change. What we are suggesting... However, as currently the commissioner can only offer recommendations when it finds that companies are doing um, things in contravention of Canadian privacy law. We think that's frankly insufficient. That means that if they want to enforce their recommendations, they have to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars, go to the federal court, go through a court case, and then the federal court assigns um, likely the exact same recommendation. And so what we argue is they should, the privacy commissioner should have order-making power. They should be able to say, you must do this. And they should also have fine um, issuing power. So they should be able to say, you have to pay hundreds or hundreds of thousands of dollars or more. And our hope is that when that kind of behavior begins, these companies that are selling child monitoring apps and employee monitoring apps have to massively monitor, uh, modify the way that their applications work so that they are less able to be used as stalkerware. 
I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for joining us and bringing this to our attention. It's uh, it's a scary thought that you could be uh, stalked via your cell phone. I mean, we go to bed with these things now. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, a scary technology and a worrying technology, but we're very hopeful that uh, things will get better as regulators pay more attention to this. And thank you so much for having me on and, and uh, helping cover this report. Christopher, it's my pleasure. Have yourself a fantastic afternoon. Thank you. Christopher Parsons, Senior Research Associate at the Citizen Lab. That's scary stuff.